Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed, Bonnie in the house, and we got a show for you today. Let me just give you a little quote I found online. This will set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. I found this in sloanreview.mit.edu. Listen up. Very important. A bunch of key words in here. Business-to-business vendors, so we know that as B2B, seem unaware that corporate purchasing decisions are made by human beings, unquote. Oh, my, what a thought. That's talking about you're dealing with people. Even though it's B2B, it's still people. So in our hyper-engaged digital and mobile business landscapes, customer experiences have been a key revenue driver. Come on, you got to focus on that. You have to look at it. It's not just what are they going to buy and how fast are they going to buy and how fast can we ring up the sale. They're people. Your business needs to move away from the traditional one-size-fits-all approach, and you need to think about a unique, customizable experience. Why? You want to connect to the key customers you already have. You want to find prospects you can turn into not just customers, but returning customers, loyal customers, ambassadors, advocates, all that good stuff, influencers. And along the way, you want to provide, and this may be new for some of you to understand, you want to provide entertaining, mm -hmm, engaging, you bet, and educational experiences that's a lot to grasp. How are you going to do it? You're going to establish the right engagement platforms and programs for your entire current and future customer base. It's a lot to grasp. I know we have three experts on the show today. And in a moment, they'll tell you who they are, what they do, and what this topic means to them. So again, welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic today is B2B revenue growth, embracing the customer experience. You know we're in the experience economy, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to have a great conversation today. And a shout out to Allison Tomoff, who helped put this together, and Lorraine Maurice at SAP, who is the sponsor of this wonderful series. I think Lorraine's been with us for four or Oh, this is season four, so we're looking forward to her renewing again season five. Here we go. My first guest up in a moment. I'll tell you who they are, and then they'll introduce themselves. Barry Moltz at the Schaffron Moltz. That's M-O-L-T-Z Group, LLC. He's been on before. Joining us, a newcomer, is Stacy Sussman at SSR Digital Group. And rounding out the panel, another newcomer, Allison Gapter at SAP. So welcome to my very esteemed panelists. Barry Moltz, you're up first. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you do, what is the Schaffron Moltz Group, and what in the world do you think about this topic? Barry. Bonnie, thanks so much for having me again. My name is Barry Moltz. I help small business owners get unstuck. I am a recovering entrepreneurholic. When I sold my last <laughs> business, my wife said, well, if you want to stay together, I think you should go do something else. <laughs> so I've now been a thought leader and an author and a uh, radio show host for the last 18 years. This topic, Bonnie, is really close to my heart because I think that all businesses have to understand that customers really no longer just want to buy your product or your service. They want to have, as you were saying, an authentic experience with you as a business. They want to sh make sure that it's personalized. And, of course, 
this was all started by Apple and Amazon as people logged on and they and because of cookies they got started calling them by name. Now maybe this started a long time ago, Bonnie, when Burger King said I could have it my way. I'm not really sure. <laughs> very, very true. Barry, I don't think we can underscore enough the importance that this, as I said in my opening quote from from Sloan, MIT, uh, the, the fact that people, it's still people, isn't it, Barry? It's still people buying Absolutely. from people. It's, it, a machine isn't going to buy from you. Go ahead. Exactly. Again, they want to have a personalized relationship with you. They want to have an experience so they can tell all their friends online how great you are to do business with. That's why people stay because of the outstanding experience. If you just have a good experience or it's a just a good product, people are going to leave for something else. Very, very well put. Thank you very much. I love that. It, and it's about those that storytelling, Barry, and I think that's part of what we need to talk about today is that even if you're buying as a corporate buyer, whether you're buying a software system, whether you're buying hardware, no matter what you're buying, whether you're buying consulting services, you want to be able to say, hey, I remember the time I contacted that brilliant man named Barry Maltz, and he said, I can help you get unstuck, Bob, and boy, did we make a good decision, and, and you want you want Bob to be able to say that. So thank you, Barry. Good opening. Glad to have you back. Let's move one chair thank around you. the table to Stacy Sussman. You're welcome at SSR Digital Group. Stacy, please introduce yourself to us. Hey, everyone. Stacy Sussman here with SSR Digital Group. I work with um, startups, and I basically help them to legitimize their revenue. So I was a sales leader, and in sales for over 16 years, and basically I want to automate um, reports and help you with technology in order for you to figure out how much money your business is going to make and and where you're forecasting that revenue to grow. Thank you very much. I work with partners. Mm -hmm. I work with partners from C-Title Executives all the way down to sales teams and basically help these folks um, really get the engines revved up. My startups are really skyrocketing to the moon and around the orbit, and I feel like um, as long as there's process and automation in place, um, we can really grow exponentially together and love to collaborate with um, partners um, and see how we can work together to really make that happen. Every organization is unique, every company is unique, and we just have to collaborate to make it happen for them. Thank you, Stacy. How do you feel about the idea of what I opened up with that B2B is still talking people to people? And we discussed with Barry the idea of storytelling, shared experiences, talking about what you do with and for and in your business that you can actually talk about and, and recall and remember as a good experience. Agree with all of that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, there's lots of folks out there that do lots of the same things. What sets you apart is um, relationship building and making sure that at the end of the day, you have a positive experience with that customer. And like I said before, everything needs to be customized to Mm -hmm. your specific organization, your specific customer, your specific buyer. Um, There is not kind of one one size um, anymore. Everything has to be very unique to the journey and unique to what you're selling at the end of the day. Thank you, Stacey. We're very glad to have you here. We're going to hear a lot more from you. And one more chair around the table completes our panel, Allison Gapter at SAP. Allison, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm very uh, excited to be here and appreciate the opportunity to uh, to speak with Barry and Susan and yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> 
excuse me. I am the Vice President of Global Strategic Ecosystem Marketing at SAP. And what that means is I help our, our large, um, mostly hardware partners, think of Dell and Cisco and the like, go to market with SAP. Um, this topic is really of particular interest to me for a couple reasons. One, um, as you may know, last fall we, we made an acquisition of a company called Qualtrics, which mm-hmm. is entirely focused on experience, whether it's the customer experience or the employee experience. Um, so that's a, you know, a key driver for SAP. And the second thing is, you know, when you work at a really big company like SAP where there's, you know, 100,000 employees, I think that, you know, our key differentiator is exactly what you're talking about. It's that one-to-one personal experience. And, you know, what I want to do is make sure that, you know, when you're working with our organization, whether it's me or another area of the organization, you walk away with a, wow, I got everything I needed and they were great. And, you know, just that really um, good, warm, fuzzy feeling where you do want to go tell your other colleagues, even though it is, at the end of the day, all about business, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Thank you for that. I, I We've been talking about customization. I want to make sure we get a word in that starts with P personalization, and that relates to people to people. So that's what we're talking about. And again, if you're just tuning in, this is Changing the Game and Revenue Growth. We're talking today about B2B, of course, embracing the customer experience. And that's from the standpoint of where you sit in your company, you need to embrace the customer experience of your customers and prospects. You want to build loyalty. You want to build advocates. You want to build good stories and memories, if I can say that very, very, very human word in a business context. And now it's time in the show where my guests have sent me each a quote, I like to think these are creative, inspirational quotes that have absolutely nothing to do with the specific topic. And then I ask them to, oh, poetically or philosophically or musically or however they decide to relate the quote to our topic today. So Barry Maltz is up first. And Barry has sent us a quote from Hard to Believe Barry. Back in 1807, there was something called the Selengor, S-E-L-A-N-G-O-R, Selinger Journal, Jottings Past and Present. And just so you know, Barry, the book was digitalized by Google from the library of the University of Michigan and uploaded to their internet archive by a user named TPB, all lowercase. Let me just read the quote. Everybody will probably recognize it. And the best attribution, again, is the Selinger Journal from 1807. Love everyone. Trust a few and always paddle your own canoe. I love the rhyme in there, Barry. Didn't even realize it till I said it out loud. Barry, how in the world did you find this quote from, my goodness, how many hundreds of years ago? Talk to me. Well, I found it just like we find most good quotes is that it was actually on my water bottle. It said, paddle your own canoe. <laughs> so I was wondering where the origin of that really was. So I looked it up, and I found the same origin that you talked about. I just really like this, and I say it on my own radio show. I say it at the at the very, very end because I really think that we have to love everyone. We have to be accepting of everyone that we come across in business. But at the same time, trust is really earned. We should not necessarily give it to everyone who we come across our paths. But in the end, if you're going to make something happen in business, you've got to make sure that you're a part of it and not just depend on other people doing things for you. 
So I think it's a good combination of how you should work in business as a small business owner. Thank you very much. I, I love the part of Trust a Few. I'm doing a show tomorrow on our Internet of Things with Game Changers series, Barry, and it's about um, expanding your ecosystem, finding new partners to partner with for co-innovation, co-collaboration. That's a lot of co's, I know. And the idea is you have to build and earn that trust of other companies, not just as we're talking today in terms of customers and prospects, building that customer experience. So very, very interesting. Trust has to be earned. Really good point. Thank you, Barry. Great quote. Let's move on Thank to Stacy. Thank you. Stacy Sussman has sent us a quote from Tony Soprano, played by the late James Gandolfini, who left us way too early in 2013. I can't believe, Stacy, it's been six years since he died at age 51. Uh, this is from the pilot episode of the long-running and very popular series of Sopranos. Pilot was aired in 1999, and let me just read the background of the quote here. Mimicking the mood of Goodfellas, the film, Tony opens his therapy session with Dr. Jennifer Melfi by wondering if the glory days of being a gangster are gone in a line that epitomizes the series of Sopranos. So here's the quote, everyone. Listen up. It's good to be, I'm not going to try to do a Tony Soprano uh, accent. I just couldn't do it, Stacy. I'm sorry. It's good to be in something from the ground floor. I came too late for that, and I know. But lately, I'm getting the feeling that I came in at the end. The best is over. Stacy, interpret. What in the world does this have to do with our topic today? Love the quote, by the way. Thank you. So, I mean, I love working with startups and I love working with clients that are from um, the ground floor and building it up. And I think when you're sort of changing the game in revenue and when I'm developing automation and technology, I always tell my clients and my partners that we need to collaborate. Um, you can't put the roof on the house without building the foundation. So in order to really get in make things happen and make that growth super exponential, you have to get in from the ground floor. And I just think this quote really resonates with growing your revenue and growing your revenue streams. If you don't set it up right from the start, the whole house is going to crumble. Also, shout out to my home state, New Jersey, and that's where The Sopranos has been filmed. Oh, very interesting. Well, shout out to your neighboring state, New York, where I lived for the past 32 years, except the past two years I've been here in Durham, North Carolina. So we were we were sort of Northeast neighbors. Thank you very much, Stacey. Love the quote. <laughs> Love the quote. And I guess the bottom line on this quote is the best is over. It's not. It's just really, aren't we just coming into this concept of customer centricity, customer experience being the, the mantra of what has to really drive all of the marketing, all of the sales, Stacey, do you believe that the best time is now to really do that in the right way? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're still in that kind of wild, wild west of figuring this all out. Um, the best isn't happened yet, so I feel like we're just exploring what this looks like, and I feel like as long as everyone's willing to collaborate and change and grow and mold things that are great are still going to happen. Um, it's the people that, you know, won't let that happen are just sort of going to get stuck behind that. There you go. Thank you very much, Stacy. And Allison Gapter is up next. Allison has sent us a quote from Dr. Seuss. Love this as well. It's from his 1959 book. I didn't even know he had a book called this. It's Happy Birthday to You. It was the first all-color picture book. And uh, let's see, it deals with a fantastic land called Katru, K-A-T-R-O-O, where the birthday bird throws the reader an amazing party 
on their special day. It has a fantastical celebration narrated in the second person of the reader's birthday from dawn to late night. And here is the quote that Allison has selected. It's just, it's fabulous. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Allison, I want to cry. This is such a great quote. <laughs> How in the world did you find us for a show about B2B customer experience, Allison? Got to hear this. Okay. So, well, I, I think Dr. Seuss is one of the great philosophers of, of our time, personally. Um, and I happen to share his birthday, so of course I love him. Um, <laughs> but I, I think when, you know... When I think of um, being a consumer, whether it's business to business or whether it's, you know, me going on Amazon to, to buy my coffee or what have you, it, it, that quote really holds a lot of water. There's only one me and there's only one, you know, way I'm going to go about being that consumer. And I think, you know, that applies to everyone, right? You, uh, we're all just as unique as the next person. <laughs> My father used to like to tell me that. You're just as unique <laughs> as everybody else. <laughs> but it's funny. true, right? And you need to figure out ways to um, have that one-to-one connection. So I think that, you know, uh, that quote definitely holds a lot of, um, holds a lot of value when you think about um, that connection with your customer, whether it's B2B or whether it's B2C. So, Thank you. That goes back to the comments we've had about customizing and personalizing, doesn't it, Allison? The idea that <laughs> each individual is unique just like everybody. I, I love that. Is that yeah. an original by your dad, by the way? Did he come up with that? I, I don't think so. I think he saw it on a show somewhere, but, you know, I've heard it more than once. <laughs> as, as Barry says, we get some of our best quotes off of printed off of coffee cups and T-shirts and billboards and and uh, at concerts. So thank you very much. Love it. Let's go around the table now and get to know each of you just a little bit better. This is called Up Close and Personal. Barry Maltz, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that makes you feel either powerful or happy or relaxed or energized? Whatever it does for you, tell us about it. Barry, go ahead. Well, I'm actually in Chicago today. And of course, since I think personalization is really important in one-on-one service, of course, my favorite is making just one cup of Keurig Coffee, Laughing Man, Columbia. Mm. Wow. What does it taste like? Laughing Man, Columbia? Um, it, it's, it's kind of a dark kind of roast, but uh, it makes me feel happy. What can I say? Wow. I have to look that one up. I, I'm just curious. Laughing Man, Columbia Coffee. Let's see if we can get it quickly For here. Keurig. Keurig. Okay, here it is. Uh, Keurig K-Cup Pods. Yes, Laughing Man Coffee. I'm looking at it laughing. I absolutely never heard of that. Grown in volcanic, mineral-rich soils of Columbia's high peaks, where the cloud-filtered light, this is from Amazon, the description, where the cloud-filtered light, blah, 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 distinctive coffee, yes, cloud-filtered light produces abundantly fragrant coffee blooms, tended with care, of course, by growers who've been long recognized for their discipline and dedication to coffee craft. It's from Huila, H-U-I-L-A. Laughing Man is an uncommonly nuanced, oh, Barry, you're drinking an uncommonly nuanced coffee. Isn't that exciting? Dark I roast like coffee. I'm another cup right now. <laughs> Beyond the rich smokiness. It so good. Oh, wait a minute. It's getting better. Beyond the rich smokiness, you'll find a black cherry sweetness that rounds out to a smooth, dark chocolate finish. I'm, I'm heading out to, to Harris Teeter right after the show. I got to get me a package of this for my Keurig. This there is you go. 
unbelievable. Thank you very much, Barry. You've you've elevated every everything we knew about coffee. Thank you very much. Stacy's husband, where are you today? I'm guessing New Jersey, but maybe not. And what do you love to drink, Stacy? I am in New York City today. I am on the Upper East Side, where I actually call home for the past uh, 16 years. And I went more um, cocktail. So what I would say is my favorite drink is that Wolfer Dry Rosé Cider. They make it in a four-pack. And what I love about it is, uh, to me, it tastes like summer in a bottle. And to me, those are great memories. And lots of amazing things happen in the summer. Even though we're just heading into the fall, we can still kind of cherish what that looks like. I love that idea. Cherishing. Yes, thank you very much. What's the weather in New York today, Stacy? Is it as sunny as it is here in Durham? Today is a cool 70. Oh, <laughs> wow. We're still jacket kind of day. We're still getting up into the high 80s. We were at about 101 every day for most of the summer. This is just my second Ooh. year here in Durham, and now we're down to a balmy 88 to 90, but it does sneak up in the 93 to 95 range when you go out in the afternoon. So, oh, I envy you. Cool 70s in New York. That's absolutely lovely. Thank you very much, Stacy And Allison Gapter, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink that powers you, relaxes you, or just makes you smile? I am calling in from my home office in Longmont, Colorado, um, mm. and, you know, the, the favorite drink is tough. I think that as of late, my favorite is a, a White Claw, which is also of the cocktail variety, uh, to, to stay in line with Susan there, um, and probably the there's a raspberry or a blackberry flavor that's quite good. Um, they're very smooth. It's not a, you know, super strong alcohol taste and, um, they're just very relaxing. And, and like, like Susan mentioned, I mean, it just kind of, you know, it's that summer feeling. It's like summer in a can, right? And it's just, uh, it's a great drink. I like that. Thank you very much. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. Bonnie D, as they call me down here, I'm known as the chick drummer because I drum now in clubs and in taverns at open mic nights, and I'm forming my own band soon. I'm part of the Still Kicking Band here in my Carolina Arbors community. That's more information than I usually give away, but it's so much fun. I'm not allowed to have anything related to caffeine on radio show days. I'm telling that to my three panelists, and I think you've already figured out why. So all I'm having is a cool, clear glass of water. I had a little ice in it from the dispenser on the front of the fridge, and I've got my, now I'm using silicone straws. I'm trying to be a good citizen of the world ecosystem and making sure I don't pollute with paper straws, plastic straws rather, paper straws, eh, not so good, but they just seem to not they gunk up a lot and they kind of deteriorate, but the silicone straws, if you use the brush that comes with the package they work really, really well and they stay very, very clean, so there, so just water for me, I'm going to take a very quick break here, we are having a very good discussion about B2B revenue growth, embracing the customer experience, those of you around the world, we know you're business people, we don't know what you do exactly or who you are, we're not collecting your data, but we're so thrilled to have you as listeners, and if you haven't climbed on board the customer centricity, customer experience bandwagon, you're late to the party, as Tony Soprano said in a quote in the 1999 pilot that Stacey husband brought us in the quote portion of the show today. You need to pay attention. What do they want? Who are they? What do they like to do? How can you give them a good experience that's memorable so that they'll love your company and they'll want to come back and buy more? That's what it's all about, embracing the customer experience. We're going to take a quick break, so I'm just going to admonish all of you out there 
Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you're listening, we know you're going to stick around for 90 seconds because we're coming back, and Barry Maltz and I are going to kick off the formal roundtable portion of the show. So all I'm going to say to my engineer is, Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big, work small. Presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Absolutely. We're back today with a very lively panel. They're smart. They're engaged in this topic. They know what they're talking about. Barry Moltz at the Schaffron Moltz Group, LLC, and he's done so many other things as well. Stacey Sussman, founder of the SSR Digital Group, and Allison Gapter, VP of Global Strategic Ecosystem Marketing. That's a big title, Allison, at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D in the house. We're now in the formal roundtable portion of the show, and I'm going to read a couple comments from Barry Moltz that he sent me before the show. Barry We'll discuss these, and then I will invite Stacy to chime in, agree or disagree, and Allison. And then we'll pick a topic from Stacy's list, and we'll pick something from Allison's, and go around and around the table and see how much we can help you get inspired and help you learn what you need to do to embrace the brand, the customer experience for your brand. There you go. So Barry told me the following: profit comes from an effective combination of people and processes. Every day should not be an improvisation for small business. I'm going to just drop it there and have you expand it and explain it. Go ahead, Barry. Well, I've always said for a long time that people times process equals profit. But unfortunately, a lot of small business owners are so busy that they don't have any chance to really talk about strategy or process. They're just thinking about tactics. How can they get this done today? And that leads to, leads to improvisation. And what they really need to do is look at the best of breed for processes in each one of their departments, document it, and then add intelligent automation tools as almost like rocket fuel or a jetpack for their people 
so they can do a great job. Again, it's a combination of process and people that really will drive your business forward. Very, very interesting. T- tell us a little more, Barry. When we talk about pro- uh, process for small to mid-sized businesses, is this how do you keep those fresh? And today in the age, we're talking about customer centricity. How do you make sure your processes are, I'll use the French term, au courant, that they're up to date to enhance and foster a positive customer experience? What do you do with pro? Yeah, we got a handbook. Yeah, we have documentation. Yeah, we've been doing it for a while. How do you keep those fresh from a business process standpoint? I think what's really interesting about this, at least in a digital age, you can track the results. So, for example, in marketing sales, if you have a marketing process, you can see what is working and what's not working. Are you engaging customers? Are you moving them to the next level? Are they buying? This will ensure that you're actually staying up to date. Too many people, Bonnie, they put process in place and then never see if they're working or not. So Mm -hmm. how do you know? That was exactly my point. Thank you for that, Barry. Let's bring Stacy Sussman here. Stacy, agree or disagree with Barry? Feel free to take either side. Go ahead. I definitely agree. Metrics are so important in this day and age. And like you had mentioned, yeah, it's great to have a handbook, even a PDF digital version of a handbook. And everyone needs to also be following it. And there has to be a level of an adoption. And really what I find is, We need top-down, bottom-up adoption for these processes, and then everyone really needs to dig into the metrics of what that looks like. Um, If you have a CRM tool or you are a sales enablement tool, and you have to see what's working and what's not working, and these SMBs really are great at pivoting. So just because you take um, road A and then you realize that that road is less traveled and doesn't work, you have plan B, C, D, and kind of all the way through Z. And I think it's so important that we adopt what that looks like and change what that looks like in order to report on the metric. Thank you very much. Good point about metrics. Allison Gapter, please join us. Thoughts, agree or disagree with either or Barry or Stacy? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree around the process for sure. Um, however, I, I would add on to that that the processes have to make sense from a, from a customer-centric perspective. So what I mean when I say that is, I mean, you may have a great process in place, but if your customers aren't happy with it, what's the point? Because they're not going to stay with you. So I would, you know, add on to that, what's the relationship between your process improvement and the value that it brings to your customers, and how do you know that value? So there's got to be that customer connection where you're constantly, you know, getting their feedback, communicating with them to ensure that um, that you're measuring how effective your processes are in relation to the customer experience. So that's what I would add on to what Barry and, and Susan mentioned. Thank you very much. Okay, Barry, anything you want to say to either of your co-panelists, Stacy or or Allison? I love what Allison said because I think too many times small business owners or people that work inside small business owners, somehow they think that customers are outside of their process or customers are the enemy of the process. I know so many small business owners say to themselves sometimes, God, I wish I could find a business that didn't have customers. Well, we have to understand If there are no customers, there are no business. So as Allison was talking about, we have to make sure they're integrated into whatever process we're talking about. 
Thank you very much. I'm looking at notes here that Stacey Sussman sent me, and here's some interesting things. Um, Stacey, I'm going to go to your first comment in the notes you sent. This certainly, it's just a big statement. I think we have a lot to talk about here. You say, the Internet has changed the whole playbook. There are no rules. So if there are no rules, how can we have processes, and how can we have, how do you deal with customer centricity in this, I think you were the one who mentioned, Stacey, Wild Wild West. So why don't you take us through, what are the rules? What are the guideposts? What are the, the landmarks along the way of developing, embracing customer experience as the centricity for your company? Stacy. Yeah, I think that it's really important to develop sort of a process with your organization and, and of course, develop a process that's customer-focused and not necessarily sales-focused. Customers are so savvy these days. They really understand um, that they're not trying to be sold to. They want to be a collaborator. I think they're great guideposts and guidelines to create when you're creating these playbooks and handbooks. However, there still is this gray area, and that's where I brought up the wild, wild west. Um, Everyone's iterating, everyone's changing, and everyone's pivoting. And what's so fun about working with startups is they're nimble and they're not sort of these large organizations that have to roll up the roll up to the change and, and get board approval in order to make things happen. It's so important to change and pivot and then obviously everything should be customer centric and customer facing and everything is available at your customers' fingertips. So before they even spoke to you or before you even got on the phone and tried to sell them your service. They have preconceived notions of who you are or what your business is. So you kind of have to cut through the crap and just be super transparent. And really someone that they like working with and someone that's super likable and can offer them value is what's going to be sometimes a key differentiator than the other guy down the street. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And Stacey, I just want to bring in one more thing here. Um, it's it's cutting right to the chase. You say customers are savvy, as you said. They've done the research before they've even connected with you or you with them even once. You say don't sell them BS or you'll sell yourself out of a deal. And social media can be used to your advantage. Don't abuse it. So just some quick advice. I know this is what you do. Quick advice on not selling BS. Well, let's get past that to social media. How do you not abuse social media when you're trying to reach out and establish trust, establish a relationship, and be somebody who's a resource of value to that prospect? Quick advice, Stacy. Yes. I mean, you have to offer value on social media. You have to up your content game. You have to be considered a thought leader. You can pull articles and quotes from other people. You just have to credit what that source looks like. Um, You need to be posting on social. You need to be putting out stories. You need to be posting content. You need to be putting out thought leadership. This does not have to be 17-page white papers that companies are doing or used to do. These should be quick, digestible, snackable snippets, 500 words or less, uh, 200 words or less, and big imagery to really prove what you're trying to sell or prove your point. And you really need to capture someone on social within sort of one to three seconds or else their thumb has scrolled and you've lost them. Mm, one to three seconds. That's even faster than I think uh, we've seen. I've read books about uh, our attention span is, is 
equip less than that of a squirrel, I think, was eight seconds, and a goldfish is supposed to be four seconds. Allison Gapter, join us. A lot of interesting content here on the table from Stacey Sussman. What do you think, Allison? Agree or disagree? Yeah, agree with Stacey. I think, you know, she also raises an excellent point about social media, and I would add, you know, taking the perspective of helping your your audience that you're speaking to over social solve their problems, right? I think providing that kind of information is also key to being, you know, someone that they remember, someone who has, uh, uh, to, to her words, you know, that thought leadership voice. Um, and it doesn't matter, I think, to, to speak about your company over social, but rather, hey, here's some common issues that we're seeing, whether it's in a specific industry or a specific line of business, and being able to point to, um, you know, case studies, references, things of that that type that help uh, those small businesses solve their problems. Um, so, yeah, I fully agree with Stacy. She raises some excellent points there. Thank you very much, Allison. Barry Maltz, join us. Thoughts? Agree, disagree with anything or everything no. the two ladies have said? I like what Stacey has said because I don't believe we should be selling anything to anyone. I think this becomes uh, a great relief, Bonnie, to most people because folks get nervous when they're going to sell something. People don't like to be seen as salesperson. I don't think we can actually sell it to anybody. We just have to be there when people are ready to buy. And that's really what marketing is all about. And today, marketing should be about helping them, giving them advice, again, being there when they're ready to buy and not trying to do any kind of hard sell. Because as Stacey said, today, most buyers are so much more sophisticated, have so much more information about your product or what they need even before they contact you. Thank you very much. Stacey, anything you want to wrap up with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree with what everyone says. And I mean, it's so important to be transparent, I think, also. So consumers, because they have so much information before they even got on the phone with you, you know, they can't be lied to. They don't want to hear any BS. Um, they have a pain point and they're coming to you to solve for that pain point. And if you can identify what that pain point is or hypothesize what that is ahead of even getting on the phone to have that sales collaboration, I think it'll be a great relationship and you're already ahead of the game. Thank you very much. Stacey, can you give me your handle on, on Twitter? I'm trying to uh, include you in some of these tweets and I'm not finding you. Do you have one you can give me? Yes, uh, at the underscore sus and the okay. same handle um, on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much. All good. Appreciate that. Okay, let's move on. I'm looking, Allison, at your notes here, and let's see what we've got here. Allison sent me some good stuff. Uh, Allison, you want to talk about OpEx. Um, we've already talked about, I think, parallels between B2B and B2C. It's all about the individual, so we covered that. You know what I want to do, Allison? Uh, you say operational excellence. Let's do your third statement. There's so many definitions around OPEX or operational excellence, like being world-class or excellence in everything we do. Those are quotes that companies use in their marketing materials. Allison says she thinks the first step for any organization is to define what operational excellence means at every level. And how does this relate to customer experience? Allison? Yeah, I think, first of all, you know, no matter the size of your organization, everybody has to be on the same page as to what operational excellence means um, means to them. So, and not just understand, but they have to adopt that, and it has to 
happen, you know, bottom up and top down. So, um, you know, I think I mentioned before the the relationship between operational excellence or continuous improvement, however you want to position it, and the value it brings to your customers and, and how do you know the value. And again, you know, to go back to that continuous measurement of the customer experience and that, that relationship with the customer. You know, Stacy mentioned you want to have someone in that one-to-one scenario on, on your side of the organization who is easy to work with, who has builds a good relationship with the customer, who, you know, is friendly, right? So it's all those things, um, but across an entire organization. So I think that however you define operational excellence, it's got to be relative to the customer at the end of the day, or there's it's there's really not much point to it because if you lose the customers, then there's there's no business. Thank you very much. Barry Maltz, join us. What do you think? I mean, I like the word operational excellence, but I think sometimes these words actually get overused and people aren't really sure what that really means. People are always told totally. to strive for excellence. I think what's most important in today's companies is that there's a mission or a vision that everyone can really get behind. You know, this is especially important for millennials we, because they just don't want to work for a company. They want to have some kind of mission. So uh, I was talking with another gentleman the other day, and he said the best way to do this is to try to write your, comp- your own company's obituary. What do you really <laughs> want to be remembered for? And think about that, and everyone in your organization should get behind whatever that one mission or vision is. How are we going to change the world? Barry, you you stopped me at your company's obituary. I've heard that this is a way that people get unstuck. And and Stacey mentioned she helps companies start as well as get unstuck. I think you mentioned that, Stacey. But seriously, is this a a new process? Is this something that's kind of kitschy and cute? Or are companies actually doing this? Who do we want to be remembered as? Who writes this? You can't just drop this one, Barry. I'm sorry. It's too too good. (laughs) Who who writes the company's obituaries? Is it the CEO? Is it everybody in the C-suite? Is it the marketing director? How do you do that? I think you pose the question to everyone in the company. How do you want, when, 20 years from now, when the company is no longer or you're no longer with the company, how do you want to remember your time here? What do you want the company to be remembered for? And I think that really goes a lot to mission and vision. What is the larger thing that we're all about? Why do you come to work every day? How are you, how is this company going to make a difference in the world? And that's very important because I think that's something people really get around, Bonnie. Let's go around the table on this. This is a, a, a new way of looking at this. I haven't heard of before. Stacey Sussman, you do a lot of work with startups. Do you, have you ever thought about doing a, uh, a corporate, corporate uh, yes, obituary in advance? What do you think? Yeah, I love that idea. I think that millennials really want to get behind the mission of what the company is beyond the day-to-day of just doing my job. Millennials are really changing the game of what a corporation looks like, and the companies that are not changing with the mindset of what these younger millennials are doing, people aren't going to want to work for them. And I, I sort of disagree with Allison on this operational excellence. I think it's a BS kind of crap term. I feel like we really are trying to be the best that we can be, but there is 
uh, kind of a gold bar of what excellent looks like, but that gold bar keeps rising and rising and changing. And I feel like all these companies that develop these kind of best-in-class excellent centers are just kind of hiding around um, reordering what the company looks like. And I think that if you're just striving to be your best and what Barry said, everyone is going towards a common goal, everyone across the organization, you guys are going to be so much more successful than every department siloed running towards this center of excellence for sales, for marketing, for operations, et cetera. Allison, I'm going to give you a chance to come back, and I don't know if I should call it a rebuttal or just a comment back to Stacy about the using the term OPEX, operational excellence, in this context of customer centricity and customer experience. Allison, talk to me. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think Stacy and I are actually saying the same thing. Maybe, maybe I'm dating myself with the words operational excellence, um, but I, I think it's all driving towards that same goal of being your best. So. I'm not going to say I disagree with her disagreement, but I, I think that um, it, it's just two different ways to phrase it, and, and maybe operational excellence is just a little bit old school. Okay. Barry, you want to get on on this one? Love to have your thoughts. Old school, new school, what do you think? I don't want to get in the middle of two of them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. It's okay. It's absolutely I think okay. I think, I, think, I, I think the operational excellence is really important, but I also believe that we have to go beyond just using those terms and we really have to refine what do we mean, what kind of actions for me as an employee in the company, what do I need to do to make sure that I ensure operational excellence every day and not just throw those words out there. Because I think too many small business owners just put that out there like, we're going to offer the best customer service. And I'm like, well, everyone says that. What are you actually going to do? What does it mean, right? Yeah. That, that's what I'm getting at, exactly. too, Barry. I think that it's got to have a clear definition behind it, and I think that feedback loop with the customer is what helps you get to that clear definition. Interesting. I, I have to make a comment here. I love when you hear ads on the radio or TV or in, in print, if anybody reads print ads anymore, and a company says, we have highly trained customer service people, and I'm wondering, would any company ever pro- boast, we have poorly <laughs> Poorly trained. We have lowly trained. We have spent the absolute minimal number of dollars on training our employees. They're going to really screw up your your your, your system. They're going to really mess up your software installation. But we're really proud. You're going to have a very exciting experience. Has anybody heard that recently? I haven't heard recently, but it, it's been a while. I just I just bristle when I hear that. Barry, have you heard that? We have highly trained. Whatever it is, yes. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that a lot. And again, the interesting part about it, Bonnie, is people don't spend enough time actually training their staff, right, with processes and things that work well inside the organization. Again, here's another place that I believe small business owners just offer lip service. I know that because when I started my third company, I made new people come in, even put together their desk. That wasn't what they were hired for. We had no one to put together their desk. So that's the way it worked. Wow. So you have highly trained desk job training. Desk assemblers. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. We have just about a minute before we go to our predictions round. Uh, so let's see. Does anybody have any other comments on that, on on OPEX as an old term, a new term, just the concept? Everybody's good with that one that Allison introduced? We're all good? I think I based on comment your comment, on I would OPEX. also say when I, they say highly trained, yes, um, I would say, what's the source on that? There's never a source on it. It's just self-promotion. Yes, 
And I was reading something online the other day. One of my pet peeves is people say they're award-winning. They never tell you exactly what award and when they won it and why they won it. And there was somebody commenting on this, I think, on Quora. I don't read that state that uh, very often, but Quora, somebody said, yes, it could be your your five-year-old won an award for uh, the the best uh, handwriting on the blackboard on the first day of first grade. And so you're the parent of an award-winning first grader. So you are therefore award-winning. I'm not even going to go there, but talking about customer experience, I think we have to stop this word that Stacy has used several times today is BS. Let's stop that and get down to authenticity. Be real. What have you got? What have you got to sell? What have you got to share? So at that note, we are now in the part of the show called the crystal ball predictions round. Barry, you're up first. I can give you 60 seconds. Then Stacy will follow and then Allison what do you predict will change about our topic today b2b revenue growth embracing the customer experience let's fast forward to 2025 will we still be calling it customer experience or will it be the molts process i don't know barry what's your prediction go well i I think that we may be calling it something different but it will even even get more personalized as organizations employ more and more intelligent automation people will be talking increasingly with automated devices rather than people, and they won't even know it. And But that will add to their experience. It won't uh, take away from that experience. So I see that as a very positive thing. Thank you very much. Stacy Sussman, can't wait for your prediction. Go ahead. You can have a whole 90 seconds because Barry was so quick. Go ahead. I think that we need to brace uh, the digital world and technology, or I like to say we're going to really get lost in the tsunami. If we're not being authentic, we're not using technology, we're not using automation to really think like a millennial or, or think like a five-year-old, like you said, um, you're just going to get out of business and these SMBs are going to close down. And what I think is so important about SMBs that these companies have the chance to really change the marketplace and and change the world. And they have that on the ground experience to talk with customers. So it's so important to keep that dialogue. And I agree with Barry that it's probably going to be called something else then. But if you're not able to clearly articulate your authenticity and what your uh, unique value proposition is going to be, then um, you're going to be out of business. But these SMBs, hold a really crucial piece of changing, kind of making the world better for tomorrow. Thank you very much, Stacey. Allison Gapter, I saved a whole 90 seconds for you. You could even have a little bit more than that, Allison, because they were so concise. Knock yourself out, Allison. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know what the term's going to be either. Maybe something like customer centricity, where you take the perspective of your customer being at the center of everything your organization does, and regardless of what size business you are. But from the time you're reaching out to them on social media to capture their attention, you know, during their uh, research and consideration phase through the purchasing process, through the actual, you know, implementation, whether it's software or hardware or whatever the product may be. Maybe it's, you know, shoes. Maybe it's I got my shoes in the mail and I'm trying them on um, through, you know, whether it's renewing or replacing that product with something better, something, um, uh, you know, the next version, if you will. I think it's keeping that customer at the center of all those aspects of of the, the buying cycle, the journey, if you will. 
Thank you very much. All good. We have, uh, let's see, I've got two more minutes left, and I'm just going to open up. Anything else you want to add, Barry, just quickly? Any comments? Then, Stacy, then Allison, any quick comments about what we've been talking about, the B2B focus on customer centricity? Barry, any last closing thoughts? Yeah, I just want I, I to add that unless, as, as, uh, as Allison was talking about, unless you keep the customer at the center of the experience, you have to think every single day, how am I really going to wow this customer? And I suggest everyone out there to create some kind of customer journey map, which is becoming really popular. Mm. Think about all the interactions you have with the customer, each and every single one of them, and how you wow them at each stage of the process. Very interesting. A map. I like that. It sounds like another part of the people plus, plus process mantra you shared with us. Stacy, quickly, anything else from you you want to add? Do you like the idea of that map? Yeah, I love the idea. I, I love to map um, the customer journey to the seller journey. So at every step of the way, you are marrying what piece of the customer journey you're solving with sort of something that is sales-centric, but at the end of the day, super focused on the customer. Again, it all ties back to the customer. They don't want to be lied to. Um, they don't want the crap. They don't want the CS. Um, as long as we're transparent with what that looks like and we clearly articulate how we're solving for their pain points, I think these SMBs will be super successful. Thank you very much. Allison, i got 30 seconds for you. Any wrap-up thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, one area we didn't really talk about is when things go wrong. And I think mm. brands and organizations that fix things when they go wrong and, and delight their customers with the solution – are the are are going to keep those customers for life? I'm thinking my as, of myself as a consumer. There's a couple brands in my house that, you know, they've had amazing customer service when something's gone wrong with the product, and I mm-hmm. will continue to purchase for, from them forever because of that. So there, there you, know, you go. Thank you very much. Good, really good topic. Talk to Lorraine about doing a part two of this. And then we talk about what happens when things don't go right. When your highly trained customer <laughs> executives <laughs> don't get it right, what do they do? How highly trained are they? Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Lorraine Maurice. Excellent. There you go. And thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire, and again to uh, Allison Tomoff for organizing the episode. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Barry Moltz at Schaffron Moltz Group, just like Stacey Sussman at the SSR Digital Group, and just like Allison Gapter at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great Well, I'll be back tomorrow morning, Wednesday, the 2nd of, can you believe it's October, at 11 a.m. Eastern here on the Business Channel with my new series, Technology Revolution, The Future of Now, talking about who's going to be hiring and firing you in five years, an HR human or an HRAI. But we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.